This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. Theorizing that three nerds could talk about time travel, Sean and Brooke stepped into the TV8 My Dinner accelerator and vanished. They vanished! They awoke to find themselves talking about Predator 2. What has Predator 2 got to do with time travel? Or Napoleon Dynamite, for that matter. Their only guide on this journey is Greg, a MySpace celebrity who appears in the form of a hologram riding a golden unicorn. And I have been eating mushrooms for eight days straight. Top travel. It's kick ass. You're listening to TV Ate My Dinner, and my name is Sean. I'm sitting here with Brooks and Greg. Good evening, everyone. Hey, hey. And if it's morning, it could be evening or afternoon if you had a time travel device. Right. All be, things are possible. It could be. It is possible. Right, it's real. Right now, it's evening in our little, you know, our little corner of the space-time continuum. And you'll be We're hearing us probably time. a week or two, maybe after we record this. But with the advantage of time travel, you could actually come back and visit us live while we're doing this. Well, actually, it's interesting. Our our show is sort of an experiment in time travel. Yeah, I'm I'm offering this all, out there to the real world. All moving moving forward in time, though. <laughs> so I guess I guess in the same way that everything travels in time, our show travels through time. So can we do this podcast and set it up to where it comes out yesterday? Can we go back in time and stop us from ever doing this podcast at all? I bet a lot of people would like to do that. <laughs> yeah, really. So tonight we're going to talk about time travel, and. Uh, I find it interesting because just a week or so ago, I was listening to Coast to Coast AM. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's a late night talk show. It's real popular. Uh, I'm not sure if we even carry it here in Atlanta. I listen to it on the internet, but but it's a show about UFOs and stuff like that, paranormal stuff. And they had an episode where a guy had come on there with a time travel machine he had invented. And they describe it, and it, it sounds suspiciously like the one that you see portrayed in napoleon dynamite just a little uh a little box with some wires that you attach to your head (laughs) and you plug it in the wall and it works with magnets or something he claims you have to find a vortex with a dousing rod and plug it in and there you go traveling through time well why do you need the machine if you can just use a stick to find a vortex well the vortex you can't just use a vortex the machine opens the vortex for you oh, with its you have magnets. to hook your brain up to oh, a car battery first. Yeah. that sounds like a, a classic way of uh avoiding the warranty hey man this thing won't work would you find the vortex well, you obviously no. didn't find a vortex well, you obviously didn't find a vortex <laughs> exactly. go back out there and find the vortex the thing will work call me back when you find Big. a vortex <laughs> Being in IT, that sounds exactly the way it actually works. <laughs> you probably just need more RAM. You gotta go. You need to uh, clean your cache out. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly. Did you clean out your did temporary you, did internet you fragment files? that thing? Yeah. Man, that's the biggest. I'll tell you right now, that's the biggest in joke in IT I've ever heard of. Probably ought to defrag it because that'll take about eight hours and then I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. 
Did you guys see the picture I sent of the machine itself? I did itself? see the picture that oh, you tell sent. Tell me that isn't awesome. It made me want to get it. <laughs> it really. It but I'm pretty sure that money, if you but... if you if you tried to use that thing, I'm pretty sure it'd just kill you. I'm pretty that, sure you just put like, electrodes you, to your head. Do you time travel by actually time traveling or by electrocuting yourself? That's uh. Well, yeah, yeah you just, just send enough electricity to into your brain, you'll probably experience lots of things that you think are real. Yeah. Uh, that's it, the trick. It, it aged Sean 20 years. <laughs> he died 40 years early. <laughs> but anyway, folks, uh, we, uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Of course, we're going to talk about all kinds of time travel movies. We're going to talk about different methods of time travel. But first, I'd like to talk about a different method of time travel, which is uh, television time travel. Uh, last night, I actually kind of traveled back in time when I watched uh, the new incarnation of Knight Rider. I saw about 10 minutes of it and decided that was all I needed to see. Well, you're probably right. I mean, I'm giving it a bit of a pass because it was Knight Rider. And I understand that, you know, Knight Rider's Knight Rider. It's a guy driving around a super souped up car. But I do have to say that if they're if they're wanting to develop this into a series, they've got a lot of work to do. Because the the story was terribly, terribly, terribly predictable. I mean, it's Well, so tell me, is is this like a remake where he's Michael Knight? They just no. got some new cheese. No, this guy, is not. This is not follow? a reboot. Like, what is it gonna? Michael Knight's brain is actually what fuels kids. Well, what would be the logical thing? Think, just in your mind, if you were gonna write a cheesy Knight Rider story, how would you write David Hasselhoff into this into the show? Well, see, I would have thought he was gonna come in and be like the Devon or something. No. Try again. He's the villain. <laughs> No. Is it Garth? Is Garth Knight in it? <laughs> no, not I yet. I support Garth Knight. <laughs> Garth no, Knight. No, essentially, essentially, I mean, the, the story was, you know, four bad guys from Central Casting, you know, are are running around trying to steal uh, the secret computer plans that are the basis for, uh, you know, for, for Kit. Kit. And uh, but oddly enough, they they know about the like artificial intelligence program, but they don't know about the car. So he comes and zazzes them with a bunch of gratuitous graphics. I thought it was funny how the uh, the bad guys were Black River, which is clearly a, a reference to Blackwater, the actual corporate mercenary organization. Yeah, security security yeah. group. So famous they're like they're called too. Black River. They're a corporate security blah blah in Iraq. Like man, that sounds familiar. Oh, because it's obviously a reference to Blackwater. To me, the villains were like a cheap, diehard Hans Gruber crowd. I mean, because the lead guy was had a British accent. They had a computer nerd with hard rim glasses. They had an Asian guy and a black guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they were so, like this team. So far, this sounds awesome to me. <laughs> well, this wasn't awesome. but it wasn't. That's the problem. I only saw ten minutes, so it? I might have seen the worst ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it was no, so it was so crap. bad. I was calling I was calling every little plot twist like two minutes before. I mean, there's there there's one that, that's so glaring. It's like a, there's an FBI agent that's kind of on the team, and 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 she goes and does an investigation, and she meets up with the local sheriff. And I, as soon as I saw that local sheriff, I was like, that dude's dirty. <laughs> and sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, he was. Well, so how does the Hoff factor into this? He doesn't. Well, do we just see the back of his well, Brillo just, head? Well, just think like about all the cliches I've brought up, and think. I mean, I mean, I'm surprised you haven't thought of it already. Well, I haven't. Huh? <laughs> I didn't see that part. So. Uh, well, I'm not going to give it away then, because you need to go watch the show. All right. But 
Oh, that's awesome tease, Greg. <laughs> yeah. <Cool>. But but I will <laughs> say I actually now do I do actually want to go watch the show now. <laughs> Man, how did I miss the Hoff factor? Another funny thing is like this how this thing was a two hour commercial for Ford. Every car in the show is a Ford of some sort. I mean, it's so, it, well, except for one. The the one where the bag, the, the car, and I actually kind of noticed this was like, you know, why all of a sudden these guys, why are they, why are they riding around in the GMC SUV? Well, it's because it's the vehicle they get killed in later. <laughs> yeah, and they're bad guys. So, bad guys well, they, don't drive Fords. They don't kill the Hoff, do they? Do they kill the I'm not telling you, man. You gotta watch it. Is that how he passes you the gotta torch? Watch it. I don't like it when they do that. But to me, the car or is he the car is not missing? cool. The car is not cool at all. Do you ever, yeah. It, it, do you ever see that show, Birds of Prey, where where it's like Batman's daughter, and Batman is missing, and she has to protect Gotham? No, that sounds horrible. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. It was by God. Oh well, man, you don't know how you don't know how close you are, because. Uh, Oh, it's he's, one of those he's missing, right? Where it's like he's he they can't find the Hoff and they bring in this other like like Osmond Teeth Cheesehead. Man, the guy that man, you're was stepping in there. All over the it. It's so funny that you, you are not getting it. But the guy um, that they picked, the young guy, he Don't was tell so me this annoying. dude is his son. Huh? He's not his son, is he? Uh, he's not well, the Hoff's son, is he? Well Because <laughs> that's another cliche. <laughs> okay, I don't know I who he was, it's, it's, but I will say that he was very annoying. And a terrible yes, he actor. Was. He was he a total jerk. Annoying, the, the, even in the commercial, he looked. Yeah, he was a total jerk, which is a, was was a very annoying thing in the show because he was so mean to everybody. Yeah, like and, when uh, he first sees Kit, he doesn't know Kit's a car. Kit's talking to him through a walkie-talkie, and like instantly, he, and he's like, "Man, you're really pissing me off. Whoever you are, I'm going to come out there." Just like instantly, like, "Why? Oh, why Lord. do you have a problem with me? I'm a car, <laughs> dude." <laughs> like. We met over a walkie-talkie. Yeah, and you're already <laughs> mad. Just like it's kind of the Leroy Mercer. Of, of he's he, uh, you get the feeling they were trying to show that he has bad attitude and all this stuff, and he's a rebel. But it just well, came he's off like, like he's he like was angst-ridden and angry. I mean, that that's that is what they're trying to do. I mean, the backstory is kind of like that. Is like, you know he's got some issues with you know with family and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because his mama because abandoned his him or something. Up. Something put him in an asylum or something. Whatever. It's stupid. Yeah. But anyway, to me, the, the awesome. and, and I have to say, I don't know whether or not this is because, you know, we're now 25 years in the future and cars incorporate a lot of the technology that maybe used to be cool uh, or used to be new That's like and interesting. That's like the James Bond syndrome where those James Bond movies became like a BMW commercial for a yeah. while. It's like, you well, know, but, ooh, whatever. All of his gadgets were just things you could buy at Sharper Well, Image. that's why I was thinking last night. I was like, I, I was thinking, like for $2,000, I could probably make my car do a lot of the stuff this car is doing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, so does Kit have a more butch voice in the commercial? It sounds, it sounds like, Kit's a it lot sounds like a, a bad ripoff of the original Kit voice. It doesn't sound tough. And, you know, he's not funny. That's what's funny. The original kit kind of had some personality, had a little charm to it. This one just well, sounds like a, a complete robot. It. It's just like, I can't do that, Hello, Michael. Michael. I'm sorry, Michael, or whatever. It, well, that, that's true. I mean, they, it's not Michael, I guess. It's supposed to be emotionless, or, apparently, but um, uh, I think they'll probably, you know, write emotion into him as he comes along. Because they kind of make it little... Make little you know references so he he could say I'm incapable of emotion but then he does something that's obviously an emotional response well I'm hoping that oh, he's like a spot that, car I'm not sure they're going to get a chance really unless this writer strike thing just works in their favor I'm not sure they're going to get a chance well, the writers, to develop the this TV's not coming back I know but like I'm saying yeah it's it's too late for the them to get any shows 
back really fast. Yeah. At any rate, the the Michael Knight character, the kid, I can't remember. I don't know what his name was. He was irritating. I don't even know, because I only saw 10 minutes. I'm not sure what the girl had to do with anything. She comes with the car and introduces him to it somehow. And then there's an (laughs) old guy who's getting hunted by Black River. I don't know what's going on, but it wasn't very interesting. If you can't, it sounds completely awesome. If you could watch like 10 minutes and, and get bored with that, it sounds just like the original Knight Rider. Well, that's that's what I was. That's what I'm saying. That's kind of why I'm giving it a pass because it, it's. It, I'd I'd rather that than they be all gritty and. But try to they make were it trying to be gritty. That's the, the problem. They weren't being cheesy at all. You probably didn't see the best parts because I mean, when you meet the main character, he, he's in bed with two women. That's the first <laughs> thing you see. Well, what's character. wrong with he's that? In bed with two women. Well, but he's you know he's in bed with two women and there's a you know a couple of loan sharks outside waiting to beat him up. Nice. <laughs> I like. The, how's that not '80s? Loan sharks haven't been a viable threat since the '80s. Yeah, that's true. In TV, you don't see a lot of loan sharking. Glenn Larson is the executive producer of this, and I think he had a very strong hand in it, as opposed to maybe his role in Battlestar Galactica, Battlestar Galactica. or something like that. You know, this this is definitely '80s Night Rider. You know, this is what's bothering me about all these. Not all these, because some sometimes they do it and they get it right, but a lot of these remakes. Like the the new Miami Vice movie, for example, seems completely divorced hey, hey, from hey, the original. Hey, hey, hey. Well, no, I'm saying it's the, it has nothing to do with the original feel of the show. I have to say though, I did watch the Miami Vice movie like this weekend, actually for the first time, and I'll say this: one thing I really enjoyed about it was it felt like you know, even though it was different actors, it felt like they were making an effort to kind of try to pick up. Really? And make a new Miami Vice story. It wasn't like a Crockett. This is Tubbs, your new partner, and you know some kind of like remake thing. It was they they open up with these two guys off, you know, doing something and and have a Miami Vice style adventure, just like you would have seen in the show, like an episode of the yeah, show. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, it's not set in the eighties and all that, but I mean, to me, it had that that Miami Vice yeah. feel for that reason. Except. Because they jump right in. It actually was kind of interesting for me to watch because, well, I think anybody who watches the show knows I'm probably the head Miami Vice fan here. Yeah, well, um, that's safe to say. <laughs> uh, but, you yeah, some it was. stiff competition it, it, for definitely me, the, mister. Definitely the story, you know, had a uh, was, was very uh, reminiscent of all the Miami Vice episodes where – you know they they go I real thought it deep was undercover all and, and the gritty bad guy. on this time around though huh isn't it really gritty this time around well it does but it was back in the old well that's what I was about to say too, it's like I you know when I watched the movie and it's been a while since I've watched the original series I thought man this is much darker but then I kind of got afterwards I kind of got back into watching some of the old series and and that show was very dark. I mean, it had its funny moments. They had a couple say, of characters in there that were the episodes I've seen aren't like very dark. Well, I mean, they had their their lighter episodes, but uh, but a lot of the show was very very dark. I think it, the influence of Michael Mann is what makes the difference. You know, he sort of spearheaded that show, and then having him do the movie is just a perfect fit for me. You know, it really it was such a weird kind of movie to watch because it was like they were like a reunion movie that didn't bring back any of the actual actors. But it seemed like it was written like it was, you know, let's do some more Miami Vice. Let's go. You know, they don't bother to, to introduce anything. They assume at every step that you you know what's going on. Well, I think the movie that you're familiar with Miami Vice. Yeah, you know, the movie didn't do well at all. And um, I actually think that probably it it would have done better had they not made it a Miami Vice movie. I think it could have been, 
Yeah, that it probably been turned just, people off. I think you could you could have made it not a Miami Vice movie. That's for yeah, sure. and I think it would have done you better because it was it. you know well I mean they, they, he's kind of done that before. He's made Miami Vice type movies. And, well, you know if you ever saw Heat, that movie yeah that oh, yeah. was movie. was kind of indicative of a that's Miami a great Vice type Cops of story. And Robbers epic and uh, uh, and it did much better. I think a lot of people when they heard Miami Vice were going like ah. You know, I think you not. might have something there because the people who were really excited maybe about a Miami Vice movie might not have been as excited with the potential, the idea of a reboot or something not set in period. And then the people who would have liked that movie probably wouldn't care one way or the other if it's right. Miami Vice. So they probably did split that movie's audience down the middle because I didn't go see it. I, well, and I, I mean, I'm a have. fan and I didn't go see it. Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, if they can't get Greg on board with the Miami Vice movie, <laughs> good luck. Mainly because I couldn't get anybody to go with me. <laughs> okay, well, let's just talk about time travel okay. then. Well, in essence, the way I see it, and I'm not the expert you guys are, so you, I'll, I'll just start and you guys take off from where I'm hitting it. It looks to me like there's basically two kinds of time travel, basically. There's time travel done by some kind of scientific machine, or alien, like Stargate-like machine. And then there's time travel that just kind of randomly happens in some kind of bizarre, super-dimensional, abstract way. <laughs> the, the, the Slaughterhouse-Five, like, butterfly effect. Yeah, and then there's, like, you just kinda wake a up few... just kind of the journeyman. There's a few that kind of bridge the gap, like sliders or something like that, or Quantum Leap, where it begins with a scientific thing, but then you're just stuck in this, this other Well, and then method. it's just pure fantasy. <laughs> I think Quantum Leap is a good one because Quantum Leap doesn't have a t- quote-unquote time machine that he travels with, but there was sort of a machine that he built that threw him into that situation, and then he couldn't. Well, the best thing about but Quantum was a, Leap was that it wasn't really about time travel. I'm, no, it's, there was such a. This is what I liked about the original Battlestar Galactica too, where it's like it was very spiritual. It was like some unknown force is moving you through time on purpose. Mm-hmm. And you can't move forward or backward until you have met that purpose. You know, correcting things that once went wrong. And he actually, in Quantum Leap, runs into like a boogeyman later on who wants to stop him because he's, he's putting all the things right that he had made wrong. Oh, basically. really? That sounds like creepy. Like a devil figure. He's already killed three people and he intends to kill us. Something long overdue. Sam, uh, Ziggy says that there's definitely something there. That's more than I can say for you. Who are you? Yin and Yang. Good and bad. God. The devil. In the flesh, so to speak. This isn't possible. Come on, Al. Tell me he's not real. Oh, he's real, though, Sam. He's very real. What is happening? Why are you doing this? To put an end to your meddling. Who gave you the right to go bungling around in time, putting right what I made wrong? I'm just trying to get home. Well, you're not going to me. And then, of course, Sam leaps away and never knows what exactly happened. But it, it was a real neat and creepy kind of thing. Because they, they laid it out almost like like sort of one of those deals where it was kind of almost a dream. In the very first episode of Quantum Leap, 
when he starts realizing what's happening. He's like, maybe I'm just having a bad dream. But if I'm having a bad dream, then there's got to be a boogeyman. And this episode, several years later, was called The Boogeyman. <laughs> like sooner, somewhere along the line, they actually did introduce a villain. And that was what it was. And there, like later on, near the end, when they were trying to spice things up, there was actually an evil leaper who was going around as a part of a different project trying to put things back wrong. I was about to say that the boogeyman was not the evil leaper, right? So, yeah. No, but I always, you know, in my mind, always imagined that what they were suggesting was that if there was a good force that was pushing, you know, Sam as a good leaper, then this evil force had sort of inspired an evil leaper and i and it always seemed to me that it was an extension of project quantum leap because the concept if you don't know in the concept of quantum leap he invents this chamber that can separate your molecules or whatever and help to make you travel through time within your own lifetime that's his whole within the framework of the show that's why they don't ever have to do anything fancy as far as sets and budget but in the the concept of the story it's because that's his time travel theory that you can travel within your own lifetime and he goes around in time but when they run into the evil leapers they're just like sam like there's there's an evil leaper and they there's like an evil like helper with a handset that co- connects back and they have their own sort of supercomputer telling them what to do just like in quantum leap and i always thought you know this is like somebody who like did an extension of their own of their own time travel experiment cuz they're more advanced they can control it more like they know more about it it's like they're from sam's future you know, I never understood the uh, the concept of Ziggy or the the little assistant he had with his communicator. How how was that? How who is Ziggy, and how was he traveling with him through time? How's he able to keep track well, of him? You're talking about Al is the the helper's name was Al, Al and the computer and was Al, Ziggy. Al right? con- the computer was named Ziggy. Okay. And what the the concept of the show is that Al sees Sam in sort of a hologram chamber and because their brain waves because of the the experiment was put together in such a way that Al and and Sam have such similar brain waves that they can see each other like you couldn't just bring anybody in to replace Al and that's why only Sam can see Al and sometimes when he's places people who have brain waves that are similar to Sam's like the same kind of makeup they can also see Al uh, but in most cases, he appears as a hologram, you know, only that only Sam can see. And him animals and children could see him most often. Yeah, because in the show, because their brain waves are in flux, like they haven't settled into the patterns. Wow. That, that they will have as so adults. This is complicated. Is crap. They had a con- well, but, it's but, a fantasy yeah, show. It's say, not the a show science not fiction about show at all. It's, yeah, the the show is about it's another one of those great '80s kind of show and '80s to early '90s kind of show where it's about you know how people are put in the position of of doing something right, and it, it's one of the basic principles that makes for a good show that I like to see. I like to see it in TV. Like Journeyman is is basically a redo of Quantum Leap because he gets thrown through time for no reason, and he also can only move around once he's righted a certain wrong and I think that's whatever the device you use is you see that a lot on TV because I think that people gravitate to that like that's a great idea the fact that that put in the position of of you know of stepping up and doing something heroic that people will do that 
And that happens on television where maybe it doesn't always happen in real life. Well, Quantum Leap to me is one of the more thoughtful time travel oriented type of shows. Uh, most of the rest are usually kind of just action type, you know, action, action shows that are... Yeah, and especially where they're going to meet Abe Lincoln or something like that, like in Voyagers, where they go back in time to specifically historic yeah. moments. <laughs> we should we should that talk one about some of these other shows pieces. that we're alluding to, including Voyagers. Voyagers, I think, is another one of those great old time travel shows. That, uh, uh, but go ahead and talk. What, say what you were going to say about Quantum Leap, and then we'll talk about Voyagers. That show was created around character. I think probably my favorite, one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Quantum Leap. Because I think they did have a real emotional core to it. You know, the fact that he is trying to do the right thing, but at the same time, he can't go home. I don't know who's running this show. I don't know why I was chosen. I bounce around from place to place. I do everything I'm supposed to do the best way I can but I don't know how to do this one I mean you gotta help me I figure you owe me for a couple of times anyway you make it rain Hear me? You make it rain! In fact, in the last episode, he meets God, basically. And the, whatever the force is that's been sending him around personified in this, this bartender that he ends up having a conversation uh, with Lord. in the last episode. Sounds like the Matrix. And, well, the saddest thing ever is that when he he finally sends him on his way and he leaps one last time and like the last line like that shows up on the thing is that Sam never returned home. Oh no! Why not? <laughs> I don't know, but that's the end of the show. Well, that's terrible. They never came back and did well, anything. It, but well, because actually, the, it was kind of the, cool. the illusion in that episode was that you are going. There, I have bigger plans for you. Before you can go home, there's still more that needs to be done. Bigger harder more complicated and more difficult tasks and then he finally puts one last thing right and disappears and that's yeah. the thing that he never puts back home. to one great the thing that he, he didn't do in, in the whole that, to me that was what was cool about the final episode of that series and i won't get into it too much because you know people want to watch it but but he he puts to right the one thing throughout the series that he was not really able to do even though he had several opportunities uh, yeah, which was something to help yeah, Al and not himself. Right. And he, once he did that, but, but the suggestion in that episode, which was sort of the sort of existential dilemma of Sam, was that the you know the guy keeps telling him, who's played by Bruce McGill, the guy the the bartender in the last episode, who's a really great character actor. You'll see in a lot of stuff, but he basically explains to him that that the only thing that's propelling you through time is you. You know, it's your own like you created project quantum leap you stepped into the accelerator you did this the minute you want to go home you will and that's sort of like the last the last sort of message in quantum leap is that the reason he won't go back is because he continues to want to go through time much as he unconsciously believes he doesn't he wants to keep going through and making things right and putting things right that went wrong 
and it's kind of sad and depressing. Yikes! In that respect, well, especially if you know some of the backstory, because he does have a wife and everything back in his, in his, uh, in his own time, apparently. Who? Yeah, that that he only finds out later because his memory's so messed up, he doesn't remember all the aspects of his life, and that even that is kind of funny because that happened because. In a, one of the very early episodes, the, his wife from later on was actually played by Terry Hatcher in the early episode. Really? She sort of got a cold feet kind of personality, and she jilted him at the altar. And so he goes back to her college days and tries to sort of fix her fear of commitment. Yikes. And I guess he never realizes it later on, but he did. And, and years later, when we does have an opportunity to go home for an episode in typical, like, old TV style. He goes home for one episode and then gets stuck again in time. He finds out that she that he's now married to her. That's where things get confusing. And just like uh, Back to the Future, when he comes back to the future, hence the title, his whole life is different. Everything's changed. His parents are different. His house is different. It's probably a good opportunity to talk about Back to the Future because uh, uh, Back to the Future is probably what most people think of when they think about a time travel movie or a TV show. But Back to the Future was interesting in that it probably, I don't want to say scientifically correct, but definitely... <laughs> Not quite scientifically correct with the, the flux capacitor. But, but I mean, but the main character the main character was very bound by the rules of time travel, which is... An, and, they, and they maintain the same set of rules. Whatever you believe as far as time travel, they have a set of rules for time travel in those movies that they don't ever break from. And that's usually not the case. I mean, the, if you look at other shows like Doctor Who and some of these other things, it's like, you know, they, they pretty much adapt the, the technology and the capability of, of the characters to, to, to fit the story, which to me is not cool. I mean, in, in Back to the Future, I mean, there are certain things that you cannot do, or if you do them, you could, you know, eradicate yourself or you could change the future irrevocably, that sort of thing. Oh. Or there could be five of you running around. That's like the best part where if you go back in time five minutes, there's going to be two of you here. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> Why other time travel movies don't yeah. get that. <laughs> back to the Future 2 is awesome. It's probably the best mainstream time travel movie ever. Because in Back to the Future 2, they go to the future and he gets he buys that. He buys a sports almanac thinking that he's going to bet on some games and, and sporting events and make a lot of money. And the old Biff steals the sports almanac and steals their their time machine, goes back and gives it to himself, takes the time machine back and wanders off. And then, so when they go back to their own time, it's much later from the time that Biff went and gave himself the almanac, so history is completely changed. Like, it's a nightmarish <laughs> wasteland world. Like, if Biff becomes rich, the world will fall to pieces. <laughs> And that's basically what what's going well, on. Well, you know, another too. brilliant thing that they do in that is that they is they contain the story in a town uh, to where I mean, you know, Biff becoming rich could definitely affect a you know a small town like Hill Valley, which is the name of the town. That's one of the things I love about all those movies is it has its own little mm. world, you know, and it makes it sort of a fun little fantasy because they never venture out into the real world. It's like a little comic booky adventure. They have their own little their own little world they've created, and it has its own history, down to like everyone knows when the clock tower was built and when it was hit by lightning, and all these specific things that play into the story, little clues. And you know, in the second one, when they go back into the fifties, finding that to be the time that Biff gave himself the almanac, they they 
that's when it gets complicated because like you got to be careful there's two of you around here now you're still here doing the stuff you did in back to the future one and you can't keep that from happening or you won't even be here <laughs> like so it's like whoa like and it's so beautifully personified in a character like marty mcfly because he's such a lovable doofus that doesn't really understand anything so in order to keep the audience up to speed, Doc's always having to explain even the basic principles of time travel. <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful story because it's so – and a lot of people I don't think, you know, even though all those movies are popular, I think a lot of people sort of, you know, departed from that particular movie, which I think that's my favorite one. I think that's that's one of the most the, fun the movies, second one? especially time travel. Huh. Yeah. As a time travel movie, the only thing that makes that's dumb is the premise that they go to the future. Because I never understood why, like your kids are messed up in the future, and he's gonna, t- you know, let's go there. Well, now. I think that was a situation like, to where they, you know, they didn't know they were gonna have a Back to the Future two when they finished Back to the Future one. Oh, and that's definitely yeah, true. So uh, they had to write themselves out of that little situation. And so being handed that bag of snakes, they yeah, did a good yeah. job. So, but yeah, I mean, I I, I like Back to the Future. Uh, two as well i mean not as not as much as the first one but i do enjoy it in that i mean it really does you know play recklessly with some hard time travel rules <laughs> and, and yeah, causes all kind of trouble as a result. timelines and, and uh there are people that don't understand now how they went back to their own present and it was different yeah like you know and that's and so that's a difficult thing to bite off in a mainstream movie to say if there were a linear kind of time travel, as they're saying, which, you know, meaning one timeline that you could you could alter, then that's what it would be like. And then Back to the Future, it's simple. It's like he's looking at the picture of himself and his sister's disappearing or something. <laughs> you know? Like literally, someone still took a picture of the empty yard. Yeah, yeah that's what's funny about it. <laughs> But it's a device that's called they use. I, I imagine the picture itself would cease to exist, I guess, following the same. But it's it's fun and it's clever, and they do a really good job of the it, time travel in its simplest sense would exist that way, if if that were what it was. Well, like. that that was the brilliance of it is they kept it simple. Yeah, time travel does happen. It is real. It's just more complicated than that. Yeah, you you got to buy this machine that straps to your forehead, and you have to find a vortex. <laughs> exactly. You have to find the vortex first. That's true. Time travel doesn't happen with DeLoreans. It happens with dowsing rods. In the movies, it happens with cars. Yeah. Talk about fantasy. I will say, though, that probably next... No, even better than the TARDIS. The DeLorean, to me, is the coolest time machine ever. Oh, no doubt. If I had to pick a time machine, man, of course, I would rather have the TARDIS because it's transcendentally... What's it called? dimensionally transcendental bigger on the inside for people yeah it's like infinitely large on the inside i mean you can't beat that yeah but there are problems like there's jungles and stuff inside the tardis sometimes there are monsters well you you just stay out of that part you know (laughs) i'd hate to get lost inside my own ship that's true i always thought the tardis was funny because uh i haven't seen all the incarnations of the tardis but the most traditional old school popular tardis that you see on the, the like the tom baker Doctor Who's or whatever. It's just a goofy control room, and that's all you see. Like, you would think something as big and infinite in size and, and power as this thing would have something a little cooler for a control room than this. <laughs> I like how they always sort of maintain that aesthetic, because even in the new one where they've got money, 
they still sort of maintain that basic look. It's just not Doctor Who without yeah. that. Even the the neat thing when they did that movie on Fox, they still did that. But then you would like peel away, and the room would be bigger, and he had like a little study that he would go sit sip tea and listen to the phonograph in. <laughs> but still, in the middle of it, that big just thing <laughs> that doesn't really do anything with all the the little glowing circle. Apparently, jobs. earlier on in Doctor Who, they did go around inside the TARDIS some. I. I I have never seen those episodes, but apparently there was a swimming pool or something at one point that he had to eject uh, to save the TARDIS, apparently, and, uh, <laughs> and things like yeah. that. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Sean, that in the new episodes, I'm glad that they're not doing what you know probably would be the obvious thing and going and explore, exploring around in the TARDIS. As a matter of fact, you don't really, I think as far as I've seen of the new episodes, you only go into another room one time. Well, you know, one thing that they really do that I that I enjoy about this new version, and I'm, maybe the the British and are just better at this than we are, but one thing they do in the new Doctor Who is they sort of did pick right up. They're like, we're going to do another Doctor Who show, and they don't think, let's make it all gritty and weird, and they didn't reboot the series. The series has been going on for, since 1963, and they still pick up with like, well, this guy will be what the, the ninth Doctor. <laughs> And then they they pick up right from that that story from right where it is. You know, they create their own incarnation of it. They develop their own stuff. But they're always going back to the original show. All the original villains have come up. They like what is it? uh, Sarah Jane. Yeah, she was on it. Yeah, yeah, they've done a few throwbacks to some of the and canine. You know, they, they they pay. They, they pay all this homage to the original show, but it's still fresh and interesting with new ideas that they've brought in. But they, they understand how, and I wish in America we could get this, they understand how to maintain the spirit of a thing, of a story, the concept of it, and the characters of it. Well, all of the other elements have been replaced. It's a different actor. It's a different set. It's different stories. But somehow, if it's Doctor Who, it's still Doctor Who. Somehow they know how to do it. Well, that. I, I think it's a it's a classic case of of why you should you should find a fan to carry on these franchises. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it works because they're not making these things, writing these things with committee. They're not writing these things in a committee, showing it to test audiences, going the kids like this, we need this yeah. and this, blah blah. You know, they're they're writing it. Because they enjoyed the show and they know what worked in the original and they want well, to recapture they were that. Able to find the producer. This this producer, um, his name is Russell T Davies. Uh, actually, did another project that did really well for the BBC and and they asked him, you know, what what do you want your next project to be? And he goes, I want to I want to bring back Doctor Who. And they actually thought it was nuts. For some reason, the you know the British television people thought that Doctor Who was just well the. That it was lame. As a matter of fact, that they still consider it to be a kids' show, even though to me, it has some very adult themes in it. Doctor, you're expecting someone else. I, I, I. That's three uh, eyes in one breath makes you sound a rather egotistical young lady. What's happened? Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. I almost kind of wish that the day is coming where we're actually going to see Doctor Who in every incarnation. Like, I guess it's supposed to be 12 overall, and they're on 10 now. Well, yeah, if they, if they follow those rules closely, I don't know what they're going to do. Because when they, you know, apparently uh, when they get to 
I think a Time Lord is supposed to have 13 different uh, regenerations, and the, and the 13th of the Doctor turns evil. Well, that would be interesting. I sort of feel like they might do that because of the continuity that they sort of have upheld with the show so far. But I feel good about it. No matter what they do, I feel like they've won me over because they seem to always come in with the idea of, you know, well, let's not, like in the new, you can tell in the new show, they're like, let's not get too wild and out there at first because we we don't want to lose people. We do want it to be more mainstream. So a lot of it's on Earth and a lot of it, you know, deals with one particular kind of alien and, you know, it's kind of fun and funny and weird, but they don't get into, like, too deep the stories that they used to with the original. Well, they've, they've done a lot to make his world smaller. But that's still him. It's the His world is smaller, but it's still his world. Superman travels through time. Well, yes, Superman does time travel, and he does it by spinning, as a matter of fact. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> probably one of the uh, least scientifically correct you know, uh, if time you, travel If you things. spin the Earth around by flying around it, I, I still don't want to say he flies around it, and somehow that reverses the, the well, rotation of the Earth. he creates enough of a gravitational field, I suppose. Wouldn't that do way more damage? That's than what Earth? I would think. That would yeah. just destroy that all. Tear the, Earth the oceans apart? would 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 probably overwash the continents or something. It would be intense. <laughs> I'm I'm sure. But I I really don't understand how that would turn time backwards. In the Richard Donner cut of Superman two, he does it again. <laughs> really? Oh, really? I was watching Superman. Well, why II not? Well, and it was not a bad cut. It was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. Uh, I've been I've been meaning to get to that. And then at the very end, he goes. And does it. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Son of a... If you Superman could do that, you would do that. Off. I don't think I'd do that. You wouldn't go back, change time if you could? You could save your girlfriend? No wonder you have no uh, no ladies in your life. In the second one, he does it just to save Mount Rushmore. That seems anticlimactic. Well, you obviously don't love America. <laughs> I know. Now I'm going to turn spin the world backwards so that I can watch the Knight Rider movie. Because I forgot. I don't feel like down. Oh, so it's like, you know, when he's going back and repairing everything? Yeah, instead of doing that, he just spins the world back. So I'm like, wait, so what? It's odd. Did did that never happen now? Yeah, that's pretty lame. Well, I think that they were taking that movie more into the comic booky direction where that kind of thing could happen because it's not very serious, you know? It didn't make sense, though. That's not how the original ended. Richard Donner was like, finally, I restore my original vision. I was like, so maybe they threw out your original vision because the end was just like the first one. He's like, every movie should end just like this. <laughs> to a lethal weapon. <laughs> yeah. My original ending for lethal weapon. <laughs> and then Riggs just... <laughs> I'm getting too old, Riggs. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm young, Riggs. I'm too young for this. Getting too young for this, Riggs. Oh, man. I watched Predator 2 the other day. I don't care what any of you say. Oh, I love that movie, man. That I, movie is great. I need to watch it again. Who speaks ill of Predator 2? I, I love that movie. I speak ill oh, of it. Brooks does not like the Predator 2. I just don't think that... Oh, man, that movie rocks, oh, man. That's, awesome. That movie is awesome. I just don't buy Danny Glover fighting Predators. It kind of it diminishes the dangerousness of a Predator. You know what I I'm saying? I was watching... Keeping your arguments in mind, I was watching the film very closely, and I really was thinking, yeah, you know, studying there's a lot of circumstances that led up to how he managed to be. Exactly. I mean, he was the, the predator was already it's pretty dinged up by the time he got to got around to Danny. Yeah, Clark. like the predator had just had a big fight with a bunch of like CIA guys that were trying to freeze him, 
and he'd been shot like 12 times by Danny Glover, and he had to cure himself by melting a sink, and that's a temporary fix at best. <laughs> and then Danny Glover comes and chops his hand off while he's trying to blow up the world. I'm just saying, unless we are to believe that the the predator from the first movie is some kind of super predator among his species, like he's way tougher than the others. He gets shot by machine guns and rocket launchers and stuff all day long, and it doesn't, well, he doesn't even really hurt get him. shot. And Arnold, in his prime, takes him on with everything imaginable and uh, nothing. It's like you can't take this guy down. And then we're we're gonna believe that Danny Glover, who is way past his prime at this point, he's too old for this. He's gonna take him out. I'm, I'm just. Saying. I love it. It's, it's a good. It's a good movie. I mean, it's fun, but it's. I, I don't think the predator in the first movie got shot up as much as you think he did. I mean, he got. I think he got nicked when. No, he was invisible most of the time, so he was dodging yeah. it more. But in in this one, like Danny Glover just walks up while he's distracted and shoots him like four times with a shotgun. And after that, he is. He's pretty. He's pretty out of the fight. After that, he's running away from Danny Glover. I mean, I'm he is kind of out of his prime, but right now, if he shot me four times with a shotgun, he'd win that fight. Yeah, but you're not a predator, man. I'm just saying, you want predators to be scary, you know, then you you, you shouldn't pit them against people like that. You should pit them against uh, the best that humanity has to offer, so you I can say, well, I stand no chance. I not any real respect to Danny Glover I don't think so either. I'm starting to take <laughs> offense. I'm really sorry. coming down to. Yeah. I'm sorry, Danny. You're like saying, if we want to respect the predator, we can't fight people like that. Danny Glover was pretty tough in that movie. I guess, man. And he was playing older in the Lethal Weapon films. His I character guess. wasn't as old in Predator 2. I mean, he wasn't Arnold. I'm not saying he was Arnold, but I mean, he didn't like go toe-to-toe and blow-for-blow with the Predator. It was only until the very end where the Predator was like had one hand and was half-bled out. <laughs> and then he only just barely yeah, beat him. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, well, like we just now said, you know, that Predator had already taken a pretty serious beating by the time he got around to fighting Danny Glover. But still, I mean, Danny Glover was a badass in that movie. Do the Predators travel in time? This is something well, I've never quite... I sort of got, when I watched that movie, that they traveled in time because it gave him like, this pirate musket thing. Because it made it look like those guys had Unless just they had back. captured that Yeah, they made that or they're very long just handed lived. it down through the generations. Yeah, yeah. But, it, it, but I felt like while this one Predator is hunting in like futuristic New York, what are these others doing? So I got the impression that they were off doing other things, like maybe traveling through time fighting pirates or something. Am I the only one that got that? The big predator ship comes at the end of the movie, right? Like to pick up the one predator that's there? I don't know, because when he's chasing him, he chases him into the ship. Because they wouldn't be just hanging around like smoking cigarettes while this other guy was out hunting. Does a whole crew of predators go somewhere and drop off one? Well, he's uh, like a hunting trip. Yeah, but you don't go on a hunting trip where eight guys go and they just sit around in the truck while one guy goes and hunts. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe it was like a rite of passage or something. <laughs> it's hard to talk about all the time travel stuff. We haven't hit anything well, we, we've hardly. we've gone off on several tangents, uh, which you can do in time travel. What uh, else? What, what are the big ones that we haven't mentioned? We've mentioned the big ones. It's the little ones that I feel like we, we should have mentioned. And God knows we've talked about Terminator enough times. Well, yeah, Terminator. Oh, is, yeah, that's yeah, true. Probably, uh, I don't know. I don't want to talk about Terminator right now. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny that um, Stallone keeps traveling through time. He made Rocky. He made Rambo. <laughs> he keeps trying to return to his past. That's the truth. Yeah. 
Is uh, Demolition Man coming up next? Demolition Except Man. now they'll just call Where's it Demolition it? because he just keeps dropping, you know, <laughs> yeah. make the make the title simple. Demolition. Can we get Wesley Snipes? Is he available? I woke up the other day and, and TV was on and it was the, the infomercial stuff and then, like they're talking about the Total Gym. And it's always oh, like Chuck yeah. Norris is like, hey, yeah, I like the Total Gym. And then it's like Christy Brinkley. With Christy like, Brinkley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How sad for them. And all of a sudden they cut and it's Wesley Snipes. He's like, what I really like about the Total Gym is like, oh my God, Wesley. What the hell? What are some, just real quick, what are some little ones? Some little ones? Some little time travel so things that you want to uh, hit that, that you respect. Probably one that got people... a lot of critical acclaim, which, uh, you know, I saw it and enjoyed it, but it's kind of one of those I need to watch again because I didn't quite get it. Uh, it was a movie called Primer. Uh, that was out a couple of years ago. And it was an independent film. And it was actually pretty good. At least the science behind the time travel phenomenon was interesting. But essentially, it was these two engineer types. And they invent a time one machine. where they travel in a, in a box? Yeah, it's essentially a box that they so fill they with like some kind box. of you know gas. And, and, they, and if, they, if they get in it, it allows them to travel backwards you know, eight or nine hours in time. They close the box. And then they, you know, they can relive those eight or ten hours chance to redeem how handy mistake well yeah well essentially what they do with it is that they don't really do much with it and that, that's kind of where the conflict comes in is uh they're just kind of experimenting with it and then they start playing around with the stock market you know they make start making some money that way and then um uh, and then one of the guys you know starts to want to like rob banks and do different things like that why would he want to rob banks why wouldn't he just like bet on the horses or something yeah that'd be a lot easier Lottery, man. Yeah. The guy can build a time machine, but otherwise he's kind of a moron. Well, I almost hesitate to mention it, but you know, most of the best episodes of Star Trek are time travel episodes. Many episodes of, of yeah, all of the series all of about Star it. Trek. The only one that I really liked was there was an episode of Deep Space Nine where they actually went back in time and ended up in an episode of the original Star Trek where they actually did sort of the rotoscoping where they would put them into the, the footage. So you'd see like a fight going on where Kirk is there and somewhere in the background is mm-hmm. like some of the Deep Space Nine people just standing yeah. looking. Well, that they sounds kind of cool. It, it was pretty neat. It was a they lot of fun. They put them into one of the best episodes of the original Star Trek. The Trouble yeah, of Tribbles is the episode. Mm-hmm. But what made it clever as a time travel story was the episode opens with Cisco, the captain on Deep Space Nine, having to like answer a review from like the temporal bureau of investigations like because of kirk and all the times that he has traveled in time they actually had to form a special a special branch of law enforcement just to investigate infractions and that's like when they mentioned kirk they're like oh my god that man was a menace (laughs) like (laughs) and it was kind of clever like kind of tongue-in-cheek poking at the, the the how many times they had traveled I enjoyed that. Another, um, and then of course where they go back and save them whales. Man, God knows I love that movie. Because <laughs> them whales. I liked it a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> well, uh, uh, if you're a Star Trek fan, you hate that movie because non-Star Trek fans are always like, I like the one. Yep, absolutely. Whales. Well, absolutely. it's fun. That's what's so funny about it? That's the only one that mainstream audiences, I guess, have seen. <laughs> yeah, because it's embraceable. It's they go back to modern times, so it, it is embraceable in that way. But it's funny how like that's they don't even know what movie they saw. Just was that the one with the whales in it? I saw that one. <laughs> but Star Trek had its ups and downs. Oh sure, sure. But the time travel episodes were strong. Some of them. There was a well, couple. That's yeah. fun. If you're gonna do a sci-fi show, you gotta have time travel. You know, because it's just fun. 
if you don't try I, to get I think all it's serious, fun but. if if yeah i think it's fun if you don't pay too much attention to things like rules because if you start thinking about it nothing makes sense in time travel there is no sensible way to do time travel because it's nothing but paradoxes yeah well we were we, we were gonna we were talking about this a little bit before before the show it, one of the things that's interesting about the only way to have time travel where there is no such thing as a paradox is if you do time travel as sort of parallel timelines to your own and even that though is is awfully confusing well, that would, be, and think that about would it. be confusing that would and it wouldn't even be that fun to watch because in in that in that respect you're just going to parallel timelines you're not traveling in time at all so everything you do nothing would affect your own timeline and in the same respect you would have to get back to your timeline in the exact second you left it otherwise you leave it behind forever even if you and come I guess back to there a world that looks the possibility like that that a different version of you is mucking around with your timeline. And, and from what I understand, this is actually the most scientifically accepted version of time travel. I guess the people in the know say that you know if if time travel could exist, this is the way it would exist. It's more of an interdimensional travel. To well, because you can't uh, paradoxes couldn't exist if if time travel were possible then it'd have to be in a way that you couldn't have an actual paradox. You couldn't go back in time and stop your parents from meeting or stop yourself from going back in time or so on. So the only way that time travel could exist where you could do those things is if that paradox wasn't possible. And that would be if the if it was a different timeline altogether where you could make changes but it had no effect on the timeline you came from. And given enough time travel in that situation, it's <laughs> like the timelines would all become nothing like each other. Well, I I really feel like there's there's more. I think we get another time travel episode in our future. I think we should. Because yeah. I feel like we've we've barely. I had some stuff I wanted to talk about, and you know maybe we need to touch it a little bit at a time because this is like time travel is at at the least its own genre of film. I mean, they happen. It's because it's not really science fiction. It's not really fantasy, but it's a little bit of both. Because it's time travel stories are time travel. Like it's its own thing. And there, there's a lot of weird so I, movies like Butterfly Effect and stuff like that. That a different kind yeah, of the, look at it, a different take on discussion. it. Because as the as the the genre continues, they try to find new twists and new ideas on it. So yeah, I think we should revisit this. And yeah. hopefully as, we can uh, maybe point. we can put some money together and pick this time machine up. Check it out for <laughs> ourselves. I know. Maybe we can find someone who is willing to strap electrodes well, so I've got some to themselves. I've got some spare wood out back. We could probably build it. <laughs> like a crazy a crazy man sent us like a lawnmower, a riding lawnmower battery with a bunch of wires on it. He well, says, this guy. Was, I like how the schematics given. actually have buttons and dials. Yeah. I, I think I buttons. think the real hinge on that is, is the vortex thing. I mean, does, does he does he sell a vortex detector along with it? No, but well, there are directions in the diff- in the supposedly from what he says on the show. the 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 instruction book does explain how to find a vortex. I like on the diagram this really I fancy part that says book. time coils. It's just a squiggly line. <laughs> the t- these are the time it's coils. Like he draws these parts like these the dials. Like, <laughs> yeah. like oh okay. I'll put Good. a link to this machine. So if anyone out there oh, who happens to be independently wealthy and can drop three hundred and sixty dollars on a whim, 
I'll put a link to this no on our website, which is tv8mydinner.com. And uh, you can check it out. You do not use the time machine if you buy one. Though. Yeah, if you buy one, what it I want looks, you to do with it is package it up and send it to us because I would like yeah. to check it out. But I don't want you to electrocute yourself. I, I would be more than willing to be like, the test pilot in the time machine, <laughs> or to find one, like like in Back to the Future, yeah. and the dog. Yeah, back. we'll we'll find one. We, we know some, we know some people. Do, we instead got people. of Back to the Future, we'd just kill the dog. <laughs> Unlike that, I will movie. be the test pilot on the time machine. However, I will not cough up three hundred and sixty bucks. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather strap <laughs> electrodes to my head than to cough up. I'd rather die. Pay four hundred dollars. Well, it's on, it'll be on the website tv8mydinner.com. Email us at feedback at tv8mydinner.com. Tell us about your personal time travel experiences. One of our fans has to be a nutcase. At least one has probably if traveled through time. No offense, audience, but. Well, if you're listening, I, I, I I'm going to assume that you The better part of you are probably nut jobs. Yeah. Check out darkcrazy.com. Check out YouTube <laughs> like, slash. Why is it that that silence always follows when I say something? There's just like a deadpan silence for a while. Well, I don't you know. Think about that. Maybe. I, think about maybe that. I'm the only maybe person. next week, come up with something for <laughs> maybe us. Maybe what you say is just not funny. <laughs> Maybe you should stop yeah, talking. Yeah, maybe you should shut thinking. up now. <laughs> YouTube.com slash Dark Crazy TV. He's got some sketches on there. Greg Starks has a YouTube channel, too. You can check him out at gregstarks.com. <laughs> and also, um, if you are a time traveler, will you please go in the future and, and tell us how many episodes of the show we do and when we actually pick up a fan base? Yeah, yeah when if. do we pop? <laughs> or just just give us a, a hint about what we should be doing. Like you guys really took off after you started doing exclusively, uh, you know, Mighty Mouse episodes or something. All right, let's go, Mighty Mouse. After after your 80th Star Trek episode, you finally picked up a fan base. <laughs> well, until next week, when we will travel to another episode, and uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Something fun. Yes, it promises to be something amazingly awesome. But exploitation, probably. But yeah, exactly. Hey, you you might like, be onto something. Like booty, <laughs> the booty tribute episode. Until then, my name is Brooks. I'm Sean. And I'm Greg. Be safe on in your in your time travels. <laughs> to the future and beyond. I like that that reverb effect and beyond <laughs> You'll see Quest travel through time. Sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> oh, we didn't do a Roy Scheider's tribute. That would- well, you can't mention Sequest if you're going to do a Roy Scheider tribute. <laughs> <laughs>